Hello and welcome to the Billy Gowers episode of the plebs of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Oh, I love that opening. That is fantastic. This better be like the best pot ever. The Billy Gowers episode of the podcast. It's the opposite of our unlucky 13th, which every time we've recorded yeah. it, it's double it. Yeah, uh, so it's, it's going to be twice it. as good. We're somewhere between the 13th and the 26th every time. And now is the 26th. Now yeah. is our peak performance. It's like, a, it's like a special thing. 13 is the unlucky number. You double it and you yeah. have Billy Gowers. Yeah, because twice as I good as think, bad luck. Two negatives make a positive. That. Don't they, Scott? Of course Simple mate. maths. Of course they do, Simple mate. Everyone maths. knows that. Uh, how good is football? Uh, I wouldn't know. Oh, mate, how good is it this week, mate? How much excitement is there in the air, mate? The D's are into a prelim. I tell you what are good, though. Trade rumours. Scott, that's what, um, I'm, that's what I'm focusing you are, on these you are days. You're absolutely not talking about <laughs> trade rumours. This is Melbourne into a preliminary final. I'm not allowing you to talk about North Melbourne for this podcast. Yeah, before the uh, pod when we were planning out what we were going to do, I did suggest top five trade targets for the uh, top five, but I, you wouldn't have a bar of I it. know your tricks, Banjo. I'm not falling for them. I'm not falling into that trap. <laughs> anyway, how bitter are you still about uh, A, Melbourne winning and B, losing our bet? Uh, you'd be pretty calm. Uh, yeah, that. it wasn't a great night on Friday night. Um, yeah, no, didn't go well for me at all. You want to explain explain the bit? Well, for, I, no, I, yeah, first of all, I want to I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, I had to morally compromise myself and oh. go for Hawthorne on Friday night. No, that, that's a big deal. That, that, that's, that, oh, I know, that's a big deal. You that, shouldn't have done that it. That says a lot about how badly I don't want you to win. And so I just want to window, give people a window into my pain that... Um, <laughs> I had to stoop to such lows and it didn't come off well at all. It was just a bad night. And then, yes, our bet didn't work either. I mean, you both had a uh, wager on a, against each other that uh, Luke Bruce would score over 75 fantasy points uh, while playing on Neville Jenner. Oh, my faith in Neville. Never and, and he didn't. Down. And he didn't. Uh, so, yep. yep, mea culpa, my bad. Yeah, and then, you, and then you tried to stooge me by, you know I'm not a big, Carlton Draft's not my favourite beer, it's you know your that. your least favourite beer. You bought everyone, it? you tried to buy around buying everyone Bolter beer, like, you know, really good beer, and you thought you were going to get me with a Carlton, and then you it was a good stuffed plan. it up, and you accidentally handed it, it, it to was a good. It was a good plan uh, brought down by poor execution. Disgusting execution, I, I stand Manjo. by the idea of giving you a Carlton for your, because I, I, did, <laughs> I did protest, I did think that Neville Jetta barely played on Luke Bruce which uh, if he had it done well, you would have argued made the bet null and void. But no, I was a bigger man than that. So I tried to uh, just stood you out of proper payment. Well, you just payment. knew how well Nifty played was the thing. You had to do it. You had to do it. And yeah. I didn't think my night could get any Let's better. Let's be honest, guy. I'm just a better person than you. So I tried to pay out. You wouldn't flat out not paid, whereas I decided to pay out in a very dicey manner. I remembered it about half an hour after the game. Like I hadn't thought about it at all. I'm like, oh, how did Bruce go? And I messaged it to you. You're just like... I'm well aware. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't I, watch it though. I, I look at I looked at three quarter time and it was on about forty five points or something. I'm like, ah, this isn't going to end well. Nah, but anyway, we moving on to gold jacket, green jacket. Uh, no, I'm I'm pulling rank here. We're not doing it. It's too Why? finals are too important. And let's be honest, your final was less interesting and less relevant. Well, we're not even getting... You don't even know what I'm going to pick his girl, Jack. And I, but you, you're not pulling the segment. I'm well a, aware what you're going to pick. It is a staple of the pod. So for all of our new listeners, the title derives from the line <laughs> of Happy Gilmore. Girl, Jack and Green Jacket, who gives a shit. And most weeks we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games around. It's a little hard to do when there are only two games, believe it or not. And <laughs> when they're both finals. it doesn't quite work out. But we are going to give one Girl, Jack and Green Jacket vote. So it was an obvious one. Yeah. So Collingwood Melbourne and... Hawthorne? 
Collingwood defeated GWS by 10 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Can you explain your logic on this one? Uh, it was a far more boring did game. You, did you do the calculate? What? Yeah, it was a more boring. Our game was quite a good game. We got challenged quite a few times. Christ, so this was the standard was quite low. Hawthorne a barely predictable top eight result. Side. It, was, it was a mid table side versus an okay side. It was two mid table sides playing really. When you look at it, it didn't deserve the. It didn't had nowhere near the uh, quality of the Collingwood GW. I think game. if you look at it properly, Banjo, I think they're all around the same mark in terms of their quality of sides, Banjo. And our game was much more exciting on the Friday night in front of 90,000. It was bloody cold. Six, well, no, it was 72,000. How does cold have anything to do with it? Oh, the, the, the weather's part See, of this my... is your bias coming out. The weather is part of your race. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm added, well aware a... of what every single factor you put I into this is. I added a new is. one to the formula this week, <laughs> So do, are you telling me that uh, yours actually lost and to get it over the line you added cold to GWS's score? Uh, no, I'm telling you I didn't actually bother putting it in Yeah, that's what I this thought. So but... this is null and void and we're going to talk about things in chronological order. Oh, what? So uh, let's talk about your game. Let's get it out of the no, way. There are, there's like five minutes of this podcast that are going to make me miserable scott do me a favor i bought you a bloody beer it wasn't even the shit beer i tried to buy you do me a favor we're talking about your game first uh, as long as the listeners know what gold jacket green jacket was that's fine i'm happy to jump into talking about the mighty days uh, you got three minutes go three minutes do you're giving me that i'm one. being generous <sighs> you're not being generous but anyway <laughs> look looking at this game there's a couple of ways i can look at it i can look at it as a supporter in which it was just one of the greatest nights of my life uh, it was it was a really satisfying victory. I thought it was a more satisfying game than the Geelong game for the oh, reason. Yeah, absolutely, it was it was a better game of footy. Hawthorne played pretty well in patches. We got challenged, and it showed real character and the sort of maturity we haven't had all year to to respond on a few occasions, and especially in the last yeah. quarter. I know. I think it's a real like all jokes aside. I think it's actually like really positive that they came at you and you were able to so comprehensively take the game away from them. It was those first three court, uh, quarters in the last quarter by Hawthorne. First three goals, goals in the last quarter, yes. Huh, start again. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that I was cackling thinking you were having yeah, a meltdown. Were, I was having a meltdown. <laughs> no, no, I thought Melbourne were going to oh, have a meltdown yeah, okay. and lose. Yeah, no, I knew you'd be having a meltdown. There was no thought put into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, like, we respond so quickly and so comprehensively, and we killed them in the second half of that quarter. So yeah. that, that was massive. But... I mean, if I'm looking at it as an objective football watcher, I don't think it was our best performance. I thought defensively we were a lot worse than we were against Geelong. Uh, we allowed Hawthorne to play the way they wanted to play. There was a lot of uncontested footy, a lot of times which they were just they transitioned to a quite few easily. Players down that you wouldn't have expected as well. Brayshaw didn't have his best game. Yeah, Brayshaw. He he he, he found a way to stay involved. Yeah, in but... some ways I was super impressed that he was taken out of what he normally does. Mm. But he kicked some goals and he had some big tackles and some big moments. Did I actually he have he less quite well. midfield time with Viney back, or was it just a? Completely. I, I actually don't know. When his stats came up in the third quarter, yeah, I, I, I thought shocked. he'd been reasonably quiet. Mm. But I didn't think he'd had a poor game. And I was really surprised about it. Um, I think he just had a quiet day and then yeah. found ways to get himself involved. But that, that, that's impressive. There were a lot of players like that, actually. And Hannon, I think, had six disposals. And I, I thought he was terrific. I mm. thought he played a really good game, competing in the air. He had that very important kick on the fast break where... 
sort of burnt a guy on the outside and just went long and direct. Is that the, after the, the frosty talk and the? Uh, yeah, the lace yeah, out, yeah, yeah. perfect uh, kick. To, I think it was McDonald and running he, back with the flight. That was that was an unbelievable kick. But did did you think we played our best? Played particularly well. I thought we were a lot no, better they, against Geelong. Our intensity oh, was a lot better. We strangled them. I mean, we were just we were sloppy against Geelong. But the way we tried I think you yeah, executed better against Hawthorne. But I think you were more dominant against Geelong. Yeah. But that's just Geelong aren't as good a side as Hawthorne in a lot of ways. But like I, I, near this week, West Coast aren't dissimilar to Hawthorne in the way they try to play with you know kicking teams, a lot of uncontested marks, really strong on transition. I think if we play the way we played this week, I, West Coast will beat us. Yeah, I think West Coast bring the ball into the corridor a bit better than Hawthorne. And when they want to play with speed, their speed's there more than yeah, Hawthorne's okay. is. And I think that's more worrying for you. But a lot of the issues you had earlier in the year with um, transition defence and uh, con- like conceding scores from defensive 50, no, offensive 50, like from inside your yeah, yeah. 50, uh, that's, yeah. that's been drastically reduced yeah, absolutely. with the Gorn yeah. uh, defensive move. And it's probably not as big an issue as it was halfway through the year, but if there's a side that's going to expose you, it's still your weakest part defensively. And if there's a side that's going to expose you, it's going to be West Coast. Yeah, and they, although we beat them, we beat them comprehensively yeah. in the clearances. They did hurt us in that area for and a lot of the game. They didn't have a forward line that resembled what yes. they like to have. So that that's probably the biggest worry. Mm. David King, I think, said that West Coast were 20% better with the two forwards, which... I'm not sure about that's a, but that's a big number. That's a big number. But <laughs> Don't like, know where he pulled that stat from. <laughs> <laughs> he just made it up, I think, Scott. Um, but they haven't lost a game with Kennedy and Darling in the side, so they're they're a formidable forward line when everybody's there, and you're going to have to face every one of them. Yeah, so yeah. They've still got you know Gaff and Nat Nui out, but you know they're still a good side. Yeah. Uh, positives about our game, though. Uh, the way in the second quarter we were quite comprehensively outplayed, and uh, our defence itself although their transition was quite strong the defense itself stood up unbelievably well it was basically either max getting back or nifty jetta just saving our ass as he always does <laughs> i at halftime i thought he was the best player on the ground um yeah fair. And, and then he actually kicked the ball decided to take the piss i think, in the had, 14, I think he had 14 <laughs> touches at three quarter time which was double what he had in the entire game the week yeah okay. i'm not looking at his stats i'm looking at his <laughs> defensive efforts and the way that he, he saves us doesn't make a mistake he's, he's an unbelievable footballer yeah, and uh, that one time he fell over that i will never let go when uh, when did that happen i forget he conceded <laughs> a mark to my maybe magic door or something like that and he fell over in it it was just it was the greatest moment of my life I think it's also worth saying something about Viney. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that's what you were going to say. He was unbelievable. Yeah, that is third quarter. It, I, I've, I've watched the replay, surprise, mm. surprise. Uh, watching it on <laughs> replay, like there, there are the moments which, like everyone knew we played well and they knew his third quarter was really good. Mm. But like there are some moments which are obvious. There was obviously the spin and the sidestep yeah. to step up, that set up Brayshaw. He had another big clearance and a sidestep in defensive 50 and really got us going on transition. Those moments sort of stood out, but there was... Couple of chase down tackles. Yeah. There was his chase on Gunston when Gunston hit the post. He just found another gear then. He, yeah, he, he should not have been able to do that with what he's gone through this year on he, the injury he launched front. Launched himself. And it was such it. a massive moment because 
Gunson kicked that. The momentum's going their way. It was in the second quarter when they were on top. No, that was a, that was a third quarter. Or was that that, third that was quarter? actually I, I, that was more significant than I realised at the time because the third quarter we were goal for goal. It was yeah we, we had like a little buffer and we were threatening to break it and they kept kicking one back and it, it felt like at one point mm. one of those two teams is going to kick two in a row and that would change the whole complexion of the game and that was their chance to kick that second yeah. goal and then we got it down the end we got the second goal in a row. And then we just went bang, bang before three-quarter yeah. time. We're out by <sighs> five goals. Gunston had the chance to absolutely take that game away from you. Um, Gunston was great. I know, I, but I'm, like, I'm not... he was just so close to being unbelievable. I, I don't think he, apart from that, that moment in no, the No, the snap around the corner, the set shot he should have kicked. When was that? I, I... It was in the first or second quarter. He was early on and he should have kicked it. Like, it was a bad miss. The was... goals he did kick were all from tough positions. And they I were know, beautiful kicks. Three of goals, goal. five. Like he had the opportunity to really hurt. And he should have kicked at least five. I just I, I can't criticize him. He was so clearly their best player, it's not funny. He got very close to winning them yeah, the game. But he could have almost. And he didn't. And I think that has to be reflected upon. But anyway, go back to Viney. I'm sure you had more to say about him. No, 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 nothing major to say. But like, it, it showed like we're not surprised at all by his character. Like we knew it, but he, he's special. I, and a lot it of the, all the all the talk throughout the week was the whole second game, yeah. second game back. But you feel like he's an exception to that rule. He's the sort of player who can get himself up, and he he, he just forces himself on a contest. And he only, he only played about sixty seven percent game time. Really, that so, low? Yeah, we've managed him well. Um, and he spent a lot of time on the bench in the first game. So that 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 had helped with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's about him getting himself up. I think he just pushes through it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he conditions his body yeah. Once any he's better than other It doesn't people. matter how sore yeah, he is. There's he nothing that's going to stop him. Yeah. He's been unbelievable this final. He was good against Geelong too. And like, he's added, oh, a, he's very good he's added a hardness that you guys have probably needed for this final series. He's sort of taken away any doubts about whether or not you would handle it. He's mm. just been... His leadership... Yeah. And to, as much as it pains me to say, from, from like a romantic standpoint, his leadership this final series on the field has stood out more than Jones. I, I, I was going to say, Jones has actually had quite a poor final series. He's, yeah. he's struggled. He's made a lot of mistakes at crucial moments. We, we forgive him because he's carried our club to this yeah. point. Like where we are now is thanks to him. So I'm not angry at him in any way but he, he has had a disappointing final series so far he could have a cracking prelim mm. he, he could absolutely do that and that that goal he kicked in the first final just kind of forgave everything for yeah, him yeah papered over a lot of cracks <laughs> yeah. uh, and just quickly the old the old milkshake uh he, he played a defensive role on sicily for most of the game but he sort of struggled to get himself involved mm. and then just that goal turned it on unbelievable now I didn't quite have the same exclamation I did at the dusty goal, but the moment for that goal made me like shocked. Yeah. Like on the left, fifty out wheeling around. Oh, fantastic yeah. goal and at such a crucial time. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't celebrate it at all. Like my heart was in my yeah, throat. I, I was cannot just believe like, you believe it when you said told me that. <laughs> my brother and I were just sitting there just watching it, just like in pain at how like anxious we were about it all. But it was just like Oh, that's that's good. That's good. Like I just I celebrated his second one because that 
See oh, that was the that. end. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was party time after that. But that moment was very, very stressful. He's a really good player, Melchior. Like he's a genuinely very oh, good, very important. Don't get footballer. too far ahead of yourself, Scott. We got a question on that, so just okay, just okay. Hold your horses. Fair enough. I didn't know that, Banjo. You know how you much preparation I did. Absolutely did know that. We had a conversation about the question before the pod. I'm not letting you get away with your bow. Uh, <laughs> Indifference. Uh, you, you know, in did, a, did you have any thoughts on the game yourself, or just wanted me to go? For I thought Hawthorne were very poor, and against a good football side, you would have lost. Did you actually think Hawthorne were poor? <laughs> no, they were fine. I they, thought they played quite well. They really missed O'Meara's run through the midfield. Yeah, they, would, they weren't dynamic that enough through handy. there. Um, I don't think Stratton would have made a particularly massive difference. Uh, I, I, I'm more for more. Focused on Amiri's injury instead of um, an excuse for them. But I don't think they would have won either way. I think you were pretty clearly dominant. Even yeah. when they were getting those uncontested marks, they never had enough firepower to go with you. They yeah. needed eight goals from Gunston and they didn't get it. And they couldn't have really, they couldn't have reasonably asked him for that. Yeah, of course. I think that was the only way they were really going to win. Bruce was the only one forward that didn't really stand up, which sucked. For both games. Yeah. Yeah. But. None of their other forwards performed below expectation. Puapolo had a couple of brilliant moments. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just couldn't expect anything else. I'd never thought they had it enough to go with you. And I think you did too when you were honest with yourself. Yeah, I, I had a very reluctant confidence. <laughs> like, I, I, I was... I just... I, I just... I know we're a better team than yeah. Hawthorne, but it was like, I don't want to say it. <laughs> I don't want to quite believe it. But, uh, yeah, it definitely did bear out that way yeah anyway let's move on so uh i can be less miserable although marginally because it is me um <laughs> we're, on, we're on to the happy segment yeah we're moving on to uh billy gower's watch in the billy gower's episode of the billy of the podcast so it's a big moment um unfortunately he's not playing finals so it's a little less dynamic than normal but it's time for billy gower's watch i forgot where the pause was supposed to be billy 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 gower's Yeah, I screwed that up. We're going to move past that. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, so Billy Gower's watch is mine from now on. Yeah. That, that is something we've definitely decided. I'm much better at Billy Gower's watch than you are. The introduction. Um, but look, you put a lot of effort into making Billy Gower's watch. You basically scraped the barrel to try to find some Tweety did just so we can talk about the Yeah, yeah. Um, by scraping the barrel, you mean I looked at the only tweet he's done in nearly a month. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Yeah, go it's ahead. Mate. I did. I did go all the way back to his first ever tweet, but you weren't a fan of that, so we've gone to his most recent. Yeah, wasn't one. he like sixteen at the time? You went back to like his high school days. It was uh, borderline uh, stalkery. So yeah, we decided the better look would be Not to borderline. Read out his... We're happy to stalk Billy. But what is his great words of wisdom from yeah. from God Himself? Um, it's a bit of a stretch, so bear with me. It'll only be marginally better than my introduction to the segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's retweeted uh, with comment a tweet by the AFL players account. It's a feature on Charlie Kerno, and the the tweet is: He's arguably the league's most talented youngster, but how does Charlie Kerno deal with the comparisons and hype? Those close to him provide a poignant insight. And his comment was: I'm shattered. The mention of him wearing the same socks all week didn't get a run, but that's all good. <laughs> nice little insight into Charles, the footy slash family man. Hashtag, I live on a hobby farm. Hashtag, it is my brother. Hashtag, I can't, can't eat or drink without spilling it. Pineapple emoji. <laughs> uh, face with love, hearts for eyes emoji. 
Jeez. It's pretty insightful stuff. This, this segment does just keep getting better every week, doesn't it? That, that is some fantastic work from Billy. I really like over. The, when did we start doing this? Probably about podcast thirteen. And over that period, we built all the way. It's been leading up to this moment where we've just seen oh, Jesus. Where else are you going to get that kind of insight into Charlie Kerno? Did he play with Charlie Kerno? Because he yeah. used to be at Carlton. Yeah, yeah okay. So he's so he's mate he's mates with the Kernos. Yeah, like, he yeah. went. He, uh, fun fact: he went to Bright uh, on a holiday away with Charlie Kerno and our old high school mate Christian Jacks. You really are a stalker, aren't you? That's a bit. Creepy. Someone showed me on Instagram. So yes. <laughs> why yes, was I am. why was there a pineapple emoji? Can't explain that one. Okay. Maybe his yeah. hair looks kind of pineapple. He just, he just thinks beyond like yeah. our world. It's like it's that meme is... where the uh, you become more and more lightened as you go down, and he's just at the bottom stage posting pineapple emojis. Anyway, I'd say we should probably move on from that grimness. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward yep, to yep, next yep. year when he's actually playing. Uh, it'll make Billy Gowers watch a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's move on. Collingwood defeated GWS by ten points. Uh, yeah, this was a grim game. Yeah, I mean, like it wasn't a terrible game. It's still a final. It was close but enough that, again, papered over some cracks. I felt this game, it felt a lot slower than mm. our game. It felt like a real trudge. It felt like two teams who looked a bit a bit tired, really. It just, at no stage was there any real spark or excitement in the game. Uh, Collingwood smashed GWS early. Oh, I could not believe they didn't kill the game in the first quarter. Yeah, they could have killed it, it was, very early on. It was staggering how much they controlled the game for so little reward early. Yeah, it was it two w- goals, six to two behinds or something, wasn't it, at quarter time? Yeah, the, the highlight out of the game was watching the Collingwood supporters oh, just lose it. Absolutely. Over. We had a couple of absolute crackers sitting in front of us. This, it was just everything. It was things not going their way, umpiring decisions, you know, the bounce of the ball, just missing, and they, all of well, that stuff. It was stuff. unbelievable. It was for the first three quarters, they got the best run possible with umpires. Yeah. They're like four <laughs> clear holding the ball decisions all around GWS's 50. They just weren't given. And yeah. I cannot understand why. I find it staggering the way the crowd behave. But when there's absolutely no opposition supporters, it's just bound to happen. Yeah. The, so the thing which stood out for me watching the game, we were there sitting at the top, which we like to do, see a bit of the structures. Except it was very um, cold. It was absolutely freezing. Uh, the GWS forward structure, yeah. particularly early, particularly in the first quarter, was awful. Awful. They, they never had an outlet kick, and when they did, it was literally kicking down the line to Toby Green on four players. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they often had the four deepest players, Collingwood, and. Yes, you want to get numbers around the ball, and they're trying to address their issues in the middle because they weren't getting their hands on the ball, and they just couldn't seem to win a clearance. Yeah, every time they did, they had absolutely no one to go to. It was weird coaching from weird coaching from Leon Cameron. We had we had a weird like we had a few discussions throughout the game talking about did Jeremy Cameron play well? Like he had some good moments and some good contests where he, he willed himself on it more than he does sometimes, mm. like crashing a pack, etc. But he has to take a lot of the blame for not giving that outlet kick. For, yeah. And I, I think he does have work rate issues. He's not someone yeah. who's going to be leading up and down all day he long. He found himself in weird positions where he couldn't be that outlet kick. And I don't know what he was expecting. He must have been expecting breakaway uh, clearances or where he could hit it. up. Yeah. Like, in a final, you're just not going to get that. And one problem GWS have is they don't really have anyone that's good at being an outlet kick without lob down there. 
and he's he's been forced to rush an outlet so option. Yeah, 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 they've been really deprived of that kind of bailout kick, and it it really hurt them on the it's weekend. The thing, it even made people like Lockie Whitfield not look like a good kick. Because, mm. Like he turned it over a lot of times, but when he was sitting up top, you saw what else is he supposed to do? There'd be times he'd break away and look really impressive, yeah. and then he'd be like. What, what the hell am I going to do with it? Um, and the main talking point out of this game from the media has been how great Maynard was. I'm, I'm not going to criticise Maynard. He was he was good. He was very good. Played a really good game. But I think it was the structures that beat Green more mm. than Maynard. Like he Toby had no Green, space, did he? I, I, never. And I thought he quite often he put in a really good effort to mm. try to break away and try to find some space and to compete. But like often he was he was caught out on four players. Yeah, they almost played him as the key forward, and yeah. that's a very weird decision. He ca- he is very good overhead, and he's like he's pound for pound a fantastic mm. leader forward. But he can't play as your key. Like, and, and the small the smalls as a key forward can work when the ball movement's quick enough, yeah. and you get them one out if they're. It a good worked enough really player. well with Dugowie. Yeah, exactly right. He killed it. He was. I thought he was the best player on the ground. That's a like, that's a, it's a great contrast. Mm. Now, they're two smaller sort of forwards. Toby Green. It was slow ball movement, and there was the defensive structures from Collingwood yeah. were brilliant. So he couldn't do anything down the other end. Quick ball movement for Collingwood, and Dugowie had so much space to lead into. That was another thing that GWS stuffed up but they, they never had anyone in the hole the yeah the amount of times he could lead just 30 meters into space well, was incredible he that. was leading to ostensibly not very dangerous positions but he was getting them in so much space and with his mm. ability to really like, be explosive he's got, and get he's, on the turn yeah it became dangerous but he's getting them wide on the flanks really close to the boundary line uh, outside 50 a lot of times but it allowed him, Collingwood to control the ball and reset for inside 50 entry, and it just tore, mm. tore GWS apart. Yeah, there the, the were once or twice when it was like, that, that, that's great from Dugowie. Like, he was so mm. explosive on the lead that he could crash a pack and do yeah. it. But all of the other occasions, it was just so easy for him. Yeah. I think actually a lot went wrong for yeah, GWS. You don't see teams uh, just have such ease in having a lead up full forward. Yeah dominate a game anymore he, he no one was sitting in front of him about five or six times for marks inside 50 and that's just not ex- not acceptable yeah. uh any other thoughts at all yeah they, like they, they were good they were good out of the midfield and like side bottom played a good game i don't think it was his best game trelaw's had a lot of positive talk about him which from where he came from is impressive yeah i think that's what start. it was about he was pretty good and yeah he had a lot of ball in the last goal but he he's not been explosive like he like he normally is a lot of it was not cheap ball, but he got a lot more outside ball than you normally see with him. He wasn't particularly quick or penetrating as he has been this year. He was good. He wasn't great. Yeah. I think yeah, Richmond supporters would be feeling pretty pretty comfortable watching that game. Yeah. Um, no, uh, although well, we were I, sitting next to one, and all she said was, "I'm feeling great about next week." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's how it felt. And I she mean, it could have just like, it could have just been an average game of footy. It happens, and the semi-finals the hardest ones to sort of get up for. Yeah, and a and prelim in front of a hundred thousand, they're not going to have that issue. No, a bad um, game also often drags both teams down. So yeah, yeah, Collingwood would be hoping that's yeah. what it is, but they've shown they can get up to play Richmond. They haven't shown they can get over the top, but yeah. they've. They play a high quality football when they're playing Richmond. So they play they play a similar style. I'm really like the game will just be exciting yeah. just to be there, even if it is a blowout in the end. 
Yeah, don't have reserve tickets. So worry. I managed it, mate. I managed I it. I think I will be leaving work early. Extremely <laughs> early, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so let's move on to Kane Corn's call. Yeah, of the week. I think so. Uh, yeah, it's that time where we look at a big call from the media where someone's made. Yeah, something fairly. I said something fairly outlandish, and then we also try our hand at it and give it a crack as well. So uh, this week, the namesake of the segments, Kane Cooler himself. He's come home hard in the second mm. half, hasn't he? He didn't have a lot early on. Do you on, think he felt he's been listening and thought, oh, I'm getting a bit irrelevant. Some other, some Dermot Brereton's yeah, of the world are challenging I mean, me at my own game. I need to start being a grumpy prick again, yep. I think that's definitely what's happened because he definitely listens to this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course he does. It's, it's where the football media get their, they yeah. get their ideas yeah, yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's gone hard on Geelong's wacky Wednesday culture. He says, I guarantee you those costumes weren't organised on the Monday or Tuesday after their loss to Melbourne. Alluding to the fact that the, he thought that it might have been in the back of their minds during their preparation in the game on the weekend a couple of weeks ago that might have affected their performance. What do you think of this call? He is a really grumpy man, isn't yeah, he? I think, this, I, this... I think I'd like him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The two of you would get on very well. But th- this isn't the first time he said this. He, he regularly has a go at Man mm. Monday. He hates it. I've also heard him have a very long discussion about how he gets annoyed when he sees players overseas during their break that. partying and all what of that. What else are you supposed to do? Oh, he just wants them to stay at home, no, train 24-7, and get ready for, for you, the season you're, you're trying to be a lawyer. You're studying to be a lawyer or studied and about to do more. Uh, where, on your holidays, do you just read legal books? Like, is that what you do? No. Yeah, and it'd be pretty ridiculous if you did, wouldn't it? Yes. I yes, think it's the I same for an elite so. athlete. Oh, no, you've got to keep yourself in shape to some extent. But, like, they, a football season goes for a long time, and it is it is bloody tough. I mean, the amount of players who go on a surgery at the end of the season just shows how mm. bloody wrecked a lot of them are. You need They're to rest to your have, body. Have a little bit of fun. I mean, what's the point in living if you're just that serious all the time? Yeah, his entire attitude to whole breaks in general, I think is just wrong. He's a very, he's a, as just someone, a serious As man. someone who takes relaxation very seriously, I, I just cannot agree with him mm. at all on this topic. I'd be very interested to see how much he believes this sort of stuff. Whether it's just his thing. I think this is probably the one he believes. Yeah, okay. And all the other shit. Is so you think he's talking. genuinely boring? He's not just trying to get a headline? Well, he... When he tried to get a job after football, he didn't try and do anything. He tried to go to the childhood dream of being a firefighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also, didn't go too if, you, well. if you've got to complain <laughs> about people's commitment to causes, surely you'd spend more than six months between being a firefighter yeah. before quitting. When he retired before the end of the season because mm. he was so desperate for his childhood dream. That, that was very strange how all of that happened. People have forgotten about that quite quickly. You saw him as a firefighter at one point. Yeah, I did. You I saw was him running way. around. Yeah, he was, no, he was in a truck. Do you like, do you like the fire? What, just to see Kane? Yeah. No, um, I didn't like the fire. Yeah, that's man. good. Ruled Please out arson. stay away. Stay away. <laughs> I didn't like the fire. Ruled out arson. Uh, What's your Kane Corns? My like? Kane Corns big call of the week. Uh, I think I think Roughhead has to be sacked as captain. I thought it was utterly He's the spiritual leader of that football club. Justify yourself. It was utterly disgraceful the way he handled things before the game. Cracking jokes. Before a semi-final, they they clearly didn't care. He gave them this laid-back attitude of just no one cares about it. I, I I thought it was utterly disgraceful. I mean, tell me one successful team who, who have a laugh. Before it has a been game. proven not to work. Every single team that has a laugh before, during, <laughs> or after a game 
Kane Corns, uh, bring you back to him. If you have a life at any point in your life yeah. by being a footballer, you are a proven loser. Yeah, well, Bernie Vince has a laugh after the game, shows he doesn't care. You have a laugh before the game, you don't care. I think it's it's disgraceful. Every single Ruffy. footballer that's ever laughed has lost a game of football in their life. That's proving it. That yeah. proves that it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I just... I was really hoping that we'd hear a call like this from the media this week because all year there's been the positive talk about oh. Richmond cracker gag before the game and how great it is for their culture. And I've just, I've just, it would be such a media thing for them to just turn it on their heads when one team loses doing it. And, and I was, I was actually expecting Kane Corns to come out. Uh, no, it was, that. it was going to be one of the old guys like a Robert Walls or Jared Healy or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Someone that's uh, back in my day, we were, took things seriously and we were men. Yeah, that kind of thing. It was yeah, going to be yeah. that kind of person. And we are recording this before any of the footy shows have come out, so who knows? This might have yeah. been brought up. Yeah, we'll probably finish the pod and be like, oh look. Chris Judge has said that they should stop. Oh, no, that's who would do it. Yeah, that's who would do yeah, it. The guy you reckon Melbourne celebrate. overcelebrated now? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he gets asked I think, that like every week. I think it really play. hampered your, your run into finals. Yeah, that that was another. He, he's another grump. That, that's for sure. Just just far too serious. I think he might be the most nuffy commentator in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because and he doesn't realise. Yeah, it, no, that, I think that's a large part of being a nuffy. Yeah. Is, a lack of self-awareness. Kane has a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. That's one thing he has. And Chris Chad has none. Yep. But down to mine. Yeah, uh, what's yours, I, mate? I, I've taken this segment seriously because it's my segment. So, um, yep. I would take Harry Himmelberg over Jeremy Cameron right now. Mate, come on. You were, you were trying, you wanted to go with this call and you had a look at the stats and you were like, oh dear, this is, this is going to be difficult. Tell me the stats, Banjo. This is a shocking call. I like Himmelberg, but this is a shocking goal. So, I'll admit, goals doesn't look great. <laughs> what is it? You have to say it. 1.2 goals per game for Himmelberg. 2.6 for Cameron. 2.6? I would argue that... That comes, is a lot of goals. Yeah, I would argue that comes a lot down to the amount of uh, forward 50 targets both players have. You're Cameron is banjo. the featured player in that forward line. Himmelberg is a complimentary piece, and he complements wonderfully, and I think he's ready for a bigger role. The golfing talent between the two players is astronomical. I like Oh, I'm not actually sure about that. No, it is. Himmelberg, Himmelberg is outstanding below his feet, below his knees. No one can do anything below their feet because that's the ground. <laughs> he is a fan, he's a pretty good overhead, Mike. He's at least as good as Cameron overhead. He's not as quick, but I think he does everything else pretty much as well. Himmelberg does the simple stuff well. He's strong on a lead. He's got solid hands. He's a pretty good kick for goal. He's, he's got all the More basics down pack pack. quite well. Yes, true. Cameron's a freak. Cameron is... Like, the talent which he has, it's it's almost like generational. Like, there aren't many players who have that sort of ability. And um, of course he's game, a best 2. player. 2.2 to Himmelberg. 1.3 to Cameron. Just How many for Himmelberg? 2.2. Okay, he has more tackles. Significantly okay. more. And we've said, Runner Cameron's yeah, deficiencies. Because he has to play that role because he's not kicking the goals, mate. Runner Cameron's deficiencies is that he doesn't work hard enough defensively. Look at this. Rebound 50s. 0.6 to Himmelberg, 0.2 to Cameron. If that, doesn't, if that doesn't tell you what the real answer to this question is, I, I, nothing will. So no he's been stat. dropped back on a couple of occasions. No, that's what it's that's He what drops it's back me. three times as much as Jeremy Cameron. <sighs> 
<laughs> Disposal right efficiency, on, 71 to 63%. And that stat is bulletproof and never has any uh, inconsistencies. <laughs> uh, you know this is a shocker, mate. You know this is a shocker. Turnovers, 2.2. Himmelberg, 3.7. Yes, all right, all right. Cameron Pedro. is hungry. Himmelberg's not. <laughs> I stand by it. Also... Cameron's paid like a million dollars a year and Himmelberg's paid 300 I'm happy we gave Himmelberg a pat on the back because I like him, but he's not better than oh, Jeremy listen to Cameron. This. Clearances, 0.4 to 0.2. <laughs> Shut up. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, so now we're going to go do what we've done the last couple of weeks. I'm going to review the teams that just got knocked out. Uh, so we'll start with Hawthorne, uh, as always, uh, for the last two weeks that that is. Uh, we'll be breaking it down to ratings out of... 10 for their list, coaching, their future, and how they performed relative to expectations. So what did you have for Hawthorne's list? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Unfortunately, we're extremely similar. I thought you'd go more negative on Hawthorne's list. I gave him a 4 out of 10. And I, I want to say to you, you also gave him a 4. Wasn't it the start of the year you said they had the worst list in the competition? No. You did. I completely forgot about that. That was your worst call. You bagged me about Jack Watts for all Australia. Point of order. This is worse. I think I said it like halfway through the season. (laughs) (laughs) You said they had the worst list in the comp. And now you're giving them just below average. I stand by it. No, you don't. You gave them just below average. Yeah, whatever. Their list is not good. It's fine. They've got a lot of fine players. Their, nah. their list has more mediocre footballers than anybody else. I, I think they struggle for depth, to be honest, is more of my issue. I, I, their midfield, they've got a few oh, no. good players. Okay, no. How many good players do they have in, their, in that side? Well, out of the midfield, there's O'Meara, Mitchell, Shields is a good player. It, you start stretching after that. But they're all good footballers. In the forward line, Bruce Gunston. I know we've just been wrapping into Roughhead, but he's not a bad footballer. The three of them, he, that's a good forward is, line. No, no. Very strongly disagree. Oh, Ruffhead, at good. this point in time... No, he's not. No, he's no, not. he's good. He's strongly not Strongly disagree. Good. They've got no, two defenders that are worthwhile. They've got like two people on every line that are good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like they are very good, those players. No, they're Bruce not. Bruce and Gunston are very good. They're not, very they're good. Not, they're not in the best five forward pairings in the league. Oh, that, that's a strong forward line. And then it's in the back line, Sicily's a gun. Like, they've got a lot of very good players. Their issue is... Their bottom six isn't any good. Mira was quite good on the weekend, which shocked me. But I was looking at their bottom six, and that's when I started thinking, we, we've got this game with Nash and Mira and those sorts I of players. I strongly disagree. I think their bottom six is... Their bottom six, when combined with their coaching, is what keeps them alive. Their bottom six is nah, fine. I disagree. I, that, I, they I strongly do not disagree have on stars. You're not saying Tom Mitchell is going to win the Brownlow medal isn't a star. O'Meara is an excellent They don't have the multitude of stars that good sides have. Bruce, you you love Bruce. I do love Bruce. You were campaigning on him being All-Australian all year. Yeah, and I was right, wasn't I? Yes, you were right. Exactly. He was an All-Australian footballer. Sicily would have been if he didn't get injured. Slash suspended four times. Yes, true. <laughs> but he's, he's an All-Australian standard player. They've, they've got a lot of good footballers. I, I think you're wrong. McAvoy's a very good ruckman. Puopolo's yeah. a good small forward. I, yeah, Puopolo is a big meh. Puopolo is nothing more than um, a little I, bit above average. Yeah, but he, like, he, he's good. He's good. The issue is guys like Shonemakers and Henderson's not too bad. Henderson is fine. Warple... Warple is actually a kid I like the look of. Yeah, but not now. Impey, he's no good. 
Caden Brand, those sort of players. They, 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 they have a, a, a few very good players and they struggle for depth. That's my opinion. But anyway. I fundamentally disagree. We had the same. We both said four out of ten, but for very different reasons. Yes. Uh, coaching, I had ten out of ten. Yeah, we both have a ten out of ten. I he mean, if you're not going to give Clark out a ten, who are you going to give He's the to? best coach in the league. I don't think it's particularly close. There are, there are teams that have had... Oh, Coaches have had good years. Clarko is good every year. He's redefined what the most played game plan is three or four times. He's just a leader in pretty much every aspect yeah. of coaching. But we've said before, when they won their three flags, they had a, a very good team, but they weren't a three-peat team. They, they weren't the same. They weren't as good, not as talented as the Geelong list, even the West Coast list when they won flag. They're not as star-studded as the Brisbane team, mm. but it was the way that they were coached. And it, yeah, it was all it was their structures. The way he was always ahead of the curb, and then now they've got a below average list, as we've just said, mm. and they finished top four, which is extraordinary, really. Um, yeah, he's a genius. He's a genius. Yep. And for future, what did you go? Uh, I gave them a three out of ten. We both given them a three out of ten, man. This is weird. Yeah, I know. I know. It's upsetting. They're the oldest list in the comp, I think, or second oldest, something yeah. like that. They play an old side pretty much every week and they haven't had a draft pick in about 10 years. So yeah. what do you I expect? Just, I, I, where are they going to improve? I, I just can't say. I can only see them going backwards. Roughhead will probably go maybe this year, potentially next year. Mm. Uh, like Mitchell's never going to get any better. Omira might improve a little bit, but meh. Unless they start getting free agents where they can keep their draft picks and add more talent in that's than what's leaving, they're not going to be able to improve. Bergoin will obviously go, and he's still important to them. Mm. Like, there's too many players that are sort of decaying parts of that premiership lineup. Yeah. And you're just never going to be able to cover them all. It was It's unrealistic to expect otherwise. They might be kept afloat by Clarkson's coaching and good acquisitions, but... They're not, they're not going to be able to build a team that competes properly for a premiership. Would this you... team wasn't actually close. I, I think Hawthorne has been a mirage all year. Every time they've come against a real contender, I thought they've looked significantly worse. Would you say that they tried to regenerate too quickly? Like they, they got to the end of this unbelievable era and they just thought, quickly, let's get rid of all of the start. Let's get rid of Mitchell Lewis and try to bring in just a few talented players. Then we'll, we'll go for it again. We'll go for it again. It, it doesn't work it was, like that. I think it was worth trying. Like, Why wouldn't you when you've still got Isaac Smith, Roughhead, Stratton, why wouldn't you but were try? They they gonna, were they had... ever going to win a flag? Like, I'm a very strong believer that you should go for a premiership all the time. You don't go for a top four finish. No, but like... I, I don't think they were going to win a flag. They, they probably... I think they probably should have rebuilt it. They tried to just do it too quickly and it was kind of half-assed. I think if things had a broken ride and they'd got a bit more development from some of the lower players, it was. I think it was worth the shot. I, I don't... I don't begrudge their list management strategy. I begrudge what they gave up for Amir. I think that was too much. I mm. begrudge some of the ways, the explicit things they did. I think they, like the infiltrate I wouldn't have made, but I think it's worth trying. I, I think they were impatient. And I, oh, I, I think if... It, probably, but I think, I think the decision-making process, not necessarily the outcome, is one I would endorse. Okay. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I think go for a flag. And the only way they were going to win a flag would be to start getting some youth in there. And now I think they, over the next few years, 
will see that they just never got anywhere near it. With Fingers crossed. Quick rebuild. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> uh, for expectations, what did you have? Well, this is the only slight difference, but it's not much of a difference. I gave it a seven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I gave him an eight. So pretty much dead on. Yeah. I suppose uh, when it comes down to like top four is brilliant um, as compared to expectations, mm. but they still ended up going out in straight sets. Yeah. So you can't be that positive. Like they still ended up finishing what, like fifth or sixth. They didn't. They yeah. weren't top four. Yeah, I would have... Wouldn't have expected them to get anywhere near that, though. So I gave them an eight. I thought going into the season, 10th would be a pretty good year. You were very negative about them. I do remember that. Yeah. And I don't feel particularly wrong, even though they did well. Like, <laughs> yeah. All the reasons I have for doubting them, I still have. I don't think they've shown anything to suggest yeah. that they're going to be able to turn into a super team. But... Yeah, you think they'd been carried by a coach, which is probably correct. And it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, if you can get, if you can get, be carried by a coach, your development's good enough, and you can turn pick ten into what you would have got for pick four, like that kind of output. That's fine. It's a good way to rebuild. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that when they keep trading out all their picks. Mm. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to GWS. GWS are an interesting one, aren't they? Yeah. That. You've seen my ratings. I haven't seen yours. Yeah. Are we similar? Uh, we're a little bit different. We're a little bit different. Oh, that's a couple better, of that's better. So what did you have for list? List, I gave them an eight out of ten. It's mm. a very, it's a very strong list. Uh, it's getting weaker and weaker by the year. Yes. That's that's the concern. I think we still buy a little bit too much into this narrative of they're just freakishly talented, which I think a lot of that talent has come out, and they're starting to rely a bit more on. Yeah. Honest sort of football. Guys like Zach Langdon. Yeah, exactly. Even right. late career Ryan Griffin, he's just retired, but by the end he was a worker, not a star. Yep. Yeah, Delidio exactly right. isn't really able to be a star anymore either. Like they've got a few guys that have to be workers now. Yep. So Sam Reed. Those yeah, sorts exactly. Of players. Sam Reed is the like the icon of this kind of player yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I'm not saying they don't have a talented list, mm. but it's not quite at that level. You've given them a nine. So I you clearly think they're just about the best list in the comp. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, maybe... No, actually, I do think they've got the best list in the comp. Okay. I, that's Even yeah. when you look at sort of their second tier, there's a lot of... There's a lot of really good, talented youngsters that we haven't seen yet. Like Bonner. I thought he was... Fantastic. Yeah, he showed something, didn't he? Um, I think he's going to be a good long-term player. They've got kids like Taranto coming through. Uh, Hopper, I've become enamoured with this year. Yeah, uh, I think there's absolutely heaps of young kids there that we don't quite recognise because they're not at the start point yet. Whereas in the past, all the kids that were young were getting games and being really important. So we rated it really highly. I think they're still there. We're just not seeing them. It's more like a real football team that's got kids coming through down and then beneath. And there's not a lot of gaps. Like, where are they weak? Like they've got, although Patton's injured, they've got a good forward line with Cameron there, Himmelberg there, yeah, Toby Green when he's fit. a little low in a weird way, is how I'd put it. It's Richmond-esque without the fanaticism. It's it doesn't quite. It's got mobility without the intensity. I don't think it's quite. It's not a traditional forward line, and it's not mm. the modern day. But from from a talent perspective, it's there. And then yeah. they're, they're, we know their midfield's strong and it's deep, 
And their backline's like a bit underrated with Phil Davis and Haynes is an excellent Haynes player. Haynes is a jet. Kennedy's yeah. come back from one or two knee Rico's yeah. being really good. In solid, Whitfield yeah. riding off half back. Williams came back in the finals and was very good. Like their backline's still talented. Yeah. I and mean, we forget they had so many injuries this year. Yeah. Like they've still got Tom Scully who just hasn't played at all this year. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah, we're we're in agreement. They have a very good list. I think it's not quite as freakish as we say. That's about what it, all yeah, it really comes down fair. to. Uh, what do you have for coaching? Coaching, I have them a six. I think they're yeah. a little bit above average. We've had this debate in the past. You're very much a believer that they've got freakish talent and they don't have a coaches uh, bringing it together. Well, I think I don't think he adds anything. I very much believe that the talent that we see, we wouldn't be able to see it without some sort of structure and some sort of system. I think when we see them transition and run in waves and do that exciting stuff... They don't stuff, do that anymore, though. But that, that, that is the GWS. They that, weren't that able is, to do it this year. They had lots of injuries. That, that is a past... That is a memory that, but that idea. Okay, but that doesn't mean he's not a good coach. Like he, he, he enabled he enabled them to play that way by getting that system and that cohesion between them. And when then they, this year they had lots of injuries. Then he was able to get them to play a more contested game and to able to get those battles. I think he's, I think he's closer to Ken Hinckley than Alistair Clarkson. How, well, what do you mean? Well, he he at one point had a very flashy game plan that worked very well, but was quite flaky. And now he's gone to a more defensive oh, game plan. Oh, it's near to that extent. Yeah, but that's, it's, that's closer, ridiculous to, it's exaggeration. closer to that than it is a elite coach. Now, they were forced into the way that they played this year. They, they were so injured and they were struggling. So he tried to find a way to get them going again. But they, it's not just this year they've played like this. They weren't particularly attacking last year. Yes, they were. No, they were Yes, they were. When GWS were playing well, it was one of the the best sites in the game. That was two years ago. They weren't that good at, at the attacking part of the game last year. They were still good. They were still very good. Yeah, but they're so bloody talented. No, it's not that. It's not It's not all that. Yeah. He doesn't add anything to their team. Any. In, to be honest, I think he does take away some things. We've seen at Gold Coast what happens when you have a talented list without direction. Yeah, I'm not saying he's a bad bad culture coach or anything like that. I just don't think he his game style doesn't add anything. I'm not really judging coaches when I rate them on how they hold the team together, how they motivate. I don't think that's a particularly but uh, that's not what I'm saying. I, I never said that. That wasn't my. That's not my. Point. But like, what, what what do you think? There was absolutely no game plan, and that was the reason Gold Coast failed. I, I think they very much struggled to get any sort of system together. Yeah, they had a lot of people playing as individuals. They had a, early on when they had all that talent. They were all just players who just played their own way. They still haven't been able to coach it was, into Aaron Hall. Yeah, <laughs> just wait till next year, Scott. <laughs> I don't think that is. I don't think that was the coaching on the game day that led to that. I think there was much deeper issues. Well, there was that as well, but I never saw them playing as a team at Gold Coast. And I see that often at GWS. And to get a lot of talented kids to play together, that takes coaching. But anyway, we've had this argument before. Let's move on. Okay, what do you have for their future? Oh, Jesus, you've given them an 8 out of 10. That's, that's very bold. Uh, I've given them a six on future. Uh, my concerns more being that they're about to lose Josh Kelly. No, it, shut up. <laughs> if they if they don't get there now, I can I can imagine the bottom completely falling out of them. I can See, imagine. I can't quite imagine that because every time they trade somebody, they get good picks back. The thing is, it's not as good as they used to be getting. Instead of getting pick one or two or three or something like that, they're now getting pick eight or nine or ten. And that's a slow decline, but they're still getting good picks back. I don't think 
they're ever not ever they're not with this current cycle going to really drop off in terms of talent the talent pool is getting less and less and i don't think we're at a point where we can say that club is stable i I we're far from that and i can imagine if a lot of these players start leaving yeah they'll drop off when they the reason they're keeping their players at the moment is they've thrown a lot of money at them supposedly they're a salary cap massive salary Mm. cap space issues because they throw money at them and two because People have been saying, oh, they'll win a flag soon. They'll definitely win a flag soon. They haven't got there. If they drop to, you know, borderline eight next year, those players aren't going to want to stay there anymore. Do you anymore. think they will do that next year? I, they could. I can't see them being worse than they were this year. Maybe. Like, I, I don't think their immediate short term is problematic, but I, I can see eventually, I can see the bottom falling out. I don't think it's inconceivable to think that they will get to where Gold Coast are now at some point in the next, but in 10 years' time. Has anybody that's been rumoured to leave this year got you worried about how it'll impact them on field next year? Well, you know we have different ratings of Dylan Shield. Yeah. I think he's a very good player. And you're adamant Kelly's going to leave. Yeah, I'm, and I'm worried about him in two years' time, but not this year. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe not. But Patton's I, dead. Like, yeah, Patton's, he's his not career an asset you over. worry about. But, like, can't you see them winning a flag next year? Oh, I, I can see... No, probably not. I, I don't think they're if they are not well-coached enough? If they haven't won it the last few years, they're not going to win it now. Their, their list is clearly less than it was two years ago. Who have they lost in the last two years that makes you say that, though? Well, is Heath Shaw playing next year? Is he gonna... Yeah, he'll be back. Okay, he'll he, be playing. He didn't have a knee injury. He'll have a preseason. Yeah, that, I don't know. They're, they're, but Griffin's gone. Delidio's cooked. Like, they, they have a Those lot of... Those guys ex- haven't offered them anything, but they, There was Mumford back then. Like, there was, yeah, they, that's the experienced players have left. Um, and it's just those, just a few of those talented players is getting picked off. And I'm not saying they'll be bad next year, but I can see their long-term future being problematic. I think you're underrating it. I, I think. Yeah, I know. I, I think know there is so much talent there, and I think there are kids coming through that we haven't seen yet that will add and replace any decline from others. We're going to get a full year of Zach Williams, and so their rebound will be better next year. I, I think there's growth that we're going to see next year that we didn't see this year. Anyway, performance to expectations? Yeah, four out of ten. They didn't meet expectations, but they had excuses and they didn't quite... They didn't fail them that bad. Yeah, I, I, I gave it four as well. There, As we say, there are a lot of reasons for mm. it. I think if we had an extra one for medical staff and how they performed, that's when the real negative would come in. That's where they'd have the zero out of ten. My biggest conspiracy theory is that the AFL did not give either Gold Coast or GWS enough money for a medical department. It's not a conspiracy theory. That's just a statement which is probably true and i think they did it on purpose so that they wouldn't win all the flags oh, how right. about that for a conspiracy now that's just theory. ridiculous <laughs> conspiracy they, they they put enough money in maybe that can be my next uh next game they weren't short on giving the money that's for sure but anyway let's move on we're going top five next uh we're doing top five first year players because there was the rising star not too long ago and we couldn't think of anything else yeah, yeah. Um, I'm starting with a couple of honourable mentions, best first-year players. Uh, I've got Ed Richards there just because I know he should have been in and he's just stiff because I, like I like a few of the players who I put in a yeah, little bit Yeah, fair enough. I've so I'm just, I'm just opening up. There's a bit of bias in my, in my yeah, top five. Mine, I'm just making that clear. Mine has more than a bit, yep. And I've also put the great man Flying Ryan in there just because oh, I, I love the bloke. I just love watching him play and I, I love... I, just, I find the whole Flying Ryan thing hilarious. I, I think, think we're going to have... Two very different lists from the uh, no, sound of no, it. it's actually pretty similar. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, my honourable mention, uh, Billy Gowers. He feels <laughs> like a first year player. I, I would have put him in there. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been number one. Let's be honest, because bias comes into play. 
But yeah, he's not technically because he was on Carlton's list. I spent a fair bit of time being like, why isn't he on this <laughs> list of best first year players we were looking at? And I'm like, oh yeah, he played a couple and of yeah, years. And yeah, I left off Jaden Stevenson. Jesus. All right, well, we'll have a proper discussion mm. about that when we get to him on my list. Who's your That's number five? Bold. My five, I've got the great man, Joseph Fritzl. I mean, uh, Bad Bailey, <laughs> Bailey Fritsch. Uh, Joey, Joey himself. Uh, he has been, he's been a great story. I, I love it how we're getting players out of Casey. Like, it's mm. great for the, you know, the alliance and... Uh, the alliance. Yeah, well, no, it is, it is a good thing because it means that the Casey players have reason to perform. And yeah. You know, we're actually getting something out of the relationship. It's that, and that's been really positive. And he sort of started the year playing forward, looked really talented, making a real contest in the air, moved into the midfield, racked up some numbers. He's a beautiful kick of the foot, and he's now playing in the back line, which I predicted about <laughs> two months before it you happened. You're going to post that on the Facebook page? No, because I'm not going to bother going back and finding it. But uh, he's played in pretty much every position on the ground and has yeah, been you useful can't say everywhere. He's not versatile. Yeah. And Billy Gow is asking that matter. Very composed, even in finals. Mm. So, yeah, he's my number five. What have yeah, you got? I had Ed Richards at number five. Yeah, fair enough. I love that kid. <laughs> I think he's fantastic to watch. I really like his decision-making. He's quick, and he just seems to add a bit of spark to every every game when he touches the football. Yeah, I, I, I may have just seen the wrong games, but I, I've seen less wow factor with him than what I've heard people talk about. Like, I always watch him, and I think he's, he works hard. Have people other than me been saying that? Or is it just you've I don't know. To me? I might just be uh, listening to you too much. But I, I, I see him working hard and doing the team things and stuff. But I, there hasn't been many moments where I've been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that's, that's serious talent. Um, but maybe I've just missed, missed the right games. I, look, I, he should have been in my list. <laughs> There's a lot of bias. And you'll see why when I name my number four. I've got Adam Chera at number four. I absolutely Ooh, love that. I did bloke. consider him. His best game this year was. One of the best games by yeah. any first-year player. He, he didn't have as many, like, 10 out of 10 games, uh, but very consistent in his first season. He's mm. just, there are some plays you just look at and you just think, he is a footballer. He just moves like a footballer. He has the IQ of a footballer. And I just the first time I saw him play, I'm like, yeah, he's going to be something. And I can see him being a leader in years to come. And... I can't see any scope for him not being like a 200-game player. I just can't imagine it going any other way unless there's serious injuries. Really like Jarrah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good to see you re-signed as well, actually. You put it off yeah, for a long yeah. time, and I think it had a few people. Yeah, that would have been him leaving after one year. That would have been sad. Um, all those uh, nuffy North Melbourne pages were chirping away uh, about him. Of so. course <laughs> they were, mate. Of course they were. Uh, yeah, my number four, Bailey Fritch yeah, as well. Yeah, you've got Joey there at number four. Yeah, I can. I'm surprised him. you put him that high. Actually, I thought I'd have him higher. Initially, I had him at two, and then I was like, "Yeah, that's too positive." He's really good. He is very good. Yeah, and he's older, so you you kind of take that into account. But I don't know. He looks like an AFL footballer, and he doesn't look like a guy that can't improve either. Like True. I think he's going to be very solid, True. and I can see scope for improvement. So I really like him. He's good area. He's good in the air. He's quick. He's a good mm. kick. He's he's got pretty much every attribute you want. Yeah, he's just a bit skinny, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he'll put that on. Uh, who's your three? My three. Okay, here I've got Stevenson. Um, can you justify why he's not in your list? He he has been playing almost as a full forward for Collingwood for parts of the year in his first season, where he's very skinny. And he's been kicking bags of gold. Like that's that's special. I, when have we ever seen that happen before? Really? 
someone who was a midfielder. He was a midfielder, and he's come. No, he in. wasn't. He played as a forward his entire junior career. He had six games in the midfield as a junior. Is that true? Yes. I'm not. I'm not sure that's true. We'll have to have a look at that after the after the pod. But uh, he, he's not. His Can we body bet a shape, beer on it? Because I know I'm right this time, I and care. I wouldn't want to be out no. of beer again. <laughs> the body shape of him. He's not a key forward, but he's been playing like it, and he's been doing it with no, speed hasn't. and power. Yes, he has. He's been playing as deep forward for significant patches. He in hasn't the been year. playing as a key forward. They he's been playing from the top of the square. Quite he has often. not been a marking target. No, but he's been playing as the deep forward in a full forward position. He's been trying to get goals out the back. He's not. And been... He's extremely good at it. I agree, but so is Eddie Betts, and you don't rate him. It's different the way Stevenson does it. How is it different? Because they're not handballs over the top to him standing in the square. You think he hasn't been getting those goals? No, because he works up and then he uses his speed to get back. Eddie Best doesn't do that. He gets a handball over the top in the square. You are so absolutely wrong on that. I'm not wrong on Stevenson. (laughs) You can't. You're hypocritical is what you are then. No, no, I'm not hypocritical. I I think Stevenson's been unbelievable. I think a small forward... This is a first-year player. I think a small forward... (laughs) which is how he's playing, that's how he's actually playing, is the easiest position to jump straight into a team win. I think that's yeah, just okay. what it is. And I, t- I take points off for that. He's still been terrific, mate. He he's has your, been terrific. But I think the three. other guys ahead of him have been terrific I disagree. But Cameron Rayner. Yeah, okay, I've got him at number two. Uh, he is a seriously talented footballer, isn't he? Yeah, I And he just he improved him. every game. That was, yeah. That's what I loved about it. The him. way he became, and by the end, he probably probably would have been my number two in terms of how he played towards the end of the season. And I think going forward, he'd be my number one. I think they made the right pick at the first pick. But the first part of the year, I do have to take into account. He does have every single tool you'd want, though, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he does. Fantastic kick. And especially important, he chokes at the right times for North Melbourne supporters. <laughs> You're a flog. He's <laughs> really strong overhead, too. Uh, so I saw him kick that goal from, like, 55. It was oh, like... That was nuts. I can see that happening quite a lot in the future. Who's your... No- Did you go to your number He's three? my number two. Okay, my number two, Liam Ryan. Wow. Yeah, this wow. is fire. I love him. No, that's... No. No, like there's no way you can argue that Liam Ryan's year has been better than Stevenson's. Oh, in terms a of he's f- been out for a lot of it. Yeah, B he's, he has n- at puts no, no pressure. At no point did I say uh, best year as a first year player. I said best first year players. Okay, I think what as a better player, he does more. He's not a better player. He puts on no forward pressure at all. Like he doesn't. Like none. I don't care. He you should care. That's the whole point of that role. He's the best. I love him. Mate. He's got every trick. He is special in how a way. Many, how many goals has he kicked this year? Like 20 tops? No, yeah, in half the games. Yeah, he, he's, played, he's done special things, but he hasn't played a lot of great games. Um, I really loved his final, and I really like the guy, but he's a long way below the other blokes we're talking about. He really is. No. I love him. Well, we've both got the same number one. This one's very obvious. Yes, we've both got Tim Kelly as number one. Uh, It's a bit of a shame putting him there as an older player, but, I mean, he's been unbelievable. Getting plenty of the ball. 22 or something. Extremely classy. He is a young player. He will get better. And he doesn't need to get much better to be an A-grade talent in the competition. Can we talk about this for one second? I've seen calls saying they should... Similar to the Jesse Hogan calls to trade him. They say they should trade him for a top 10 pick as though that's a good return for him. 
He's. You think he should be worth more than that? Like probably. What name a better twenty-two-year-old? Oh. There aren't many. There's but like four it, better. It's pretty hard to ask for more than that for a first-year player. It, it's pretty. He's done it for a season. It, it's pretty fine, hard to demand more than that. He's all. He's had a Michael Barlow-esque first year without a single injury, and he's younger. Yeah. I don't understand why people. But what did Mar- Michael Barlow didn't become? A superstar. No, but he also got in. He was like yeah. Brownlow when he broke his leg. Yeah, but that was that was the the year. Yeah, but there were caveats on it. He was never the same after that. <laughs> Kim Kelly has a more sustainable game style. I think he's almost he was almost their best performed midfielder. I, I just I think it's hard to convince convince other teams for more than that. I, I, he's, that. I don't think that would be a bad thing getting it. it it would be a good investment having Brock Kelly in for a year and getting another. Oh, it would be. Up. It'd be a shame for them, but if he's going to leave. I, I agree. That, that's not a bad you'd outcome. Look, you'd look at the transaction and be like, "We did fine out of it," but you nailed the pick. He was you got you used on him to a point that I think is worth more than a top ten pick. If you didn't get a top five yeah. pick, I'd be disappointed. All right, fair enough, mate. Let's move on to the mailbag. Yeah, let's smash through it. Uh, so here we go from someone other than Poochie Fonts. It's from Matt Carey. Should we put <laughs> the success of the D's down to the ex Bombers Hibbert and Melchin? I'm just going to take my turn first here because I think absolutely Melbourne wouldn't be a sing- anything without these former bomber uh, men. And they should thank James Hurd so much for injecting them with uh, illegal drugs that they ran them out of the club. <laughs> that it's the only re- If you win a flag, the only reason you win a flag will be because James Hurd was a drug cheat. Is this, is this meant to upset me? Is this meant to be a troll? I think asking this question, I think, is more offensive to an Essendon supporter. They'd be more pissed off about this. I mean... I mean, no, we can't put the successes of the D's down to those two players, but they've made a massive difference to us. I'm absolutely stoked that we managed to get good deals for both of them. Like, it's a good, like, if that I was. I cannot the, believe we're reflecting on the Melksham deal as a good deal. It was deal a great now. deal. I, I said uh, on the weekend, I, I was equally as upset about the Doors trade as I was about the Melksham one. Mm. They went in slightly different directions. Ooh, a little aside, Chris Doors was sitting right in front of me on the weekend yeah, fair and enough. didn't sing the song. He might be a Collingwood. You want a flag at Collingwood? I don't care you whether he sang the song some, or not, to be honest. Somebody, a Melbourne supporter went, hey, does he, to him, and he glared at him. But I look, think he hates a football club and was going for Hawthorne. But look, just to answer the question, I, <laughs> if, that, if that is the true, I'd be very I'd be very happy if that was the case. I, I think Matt Curry should be very bitter about it rather than trying to troll me about it. Yeah, I agree. And he is bitter about it. I, yeah. I, he posts stuff about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's extremely bitter. Okay, next up. If GWS need to trade out a star player for salary cap relief, should it be Rory Lobb before Dylan Shield? Wouldn't they be on extremely different salaries? That's what I responded when he texted it to me. This is Poochie. This is Poochie. Yeah, this is a very dumb question, isn't it? I mean, if they're on the same <laughs> amount, of course you'd get rid of Rory Lobb before Rory Shield. Rory Lobb but... would be on a big packet, though. There was really? a lot of hype. When he re-signed, there was a lot of hype. It was a Cam McCarthy-esque type signing. Mm. He was he signed at the perfect time. He'd be on 500 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. But that what's Sheil on? Sheil would be on 800. Seven or eight, yeah. Yeah. But that's a big gap. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably have to get rid of both of them, to be honest. But yeah. I'd still let go of Sheil before Lobb. They have more depth in what Sheil does, and he's more replaceable to them. Than Lob is. Yeah, perhaps. I'm not the biggest fan of Lob. I, no, neither. He's got a lot I. of talent, but I think he's a bit lazy, and I've just I haven't seen him improve. Is the thing which worries yeah, me. Yeah, he, he, he's got worse, if anything. Yeah, we were talking. Um, we were talking at the game, and he's only got one trick really. He's an excellent contested mark in a certain yeah. situation, yeah. and he's a pretty good kick. It's not outstanding. Yeah, but he's 
he's very expendable to a lot of clubs, but he's not expendable to GWS because they don't have the depth in the area. I, I, I get the impression with Lobby doesn't want to play Ruck. And he's a bit grumpy about it. And he's not actually clear. trying to get better. Well, when the first uh, time I just you ever play Ruck, that. you concede a world record 80 hit outs of Todd yeah, Goldstein. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do it <laughs> He's scared often. shitless of it. Yeah, that's for sure. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. I'll probably have to get rid of both of them. <laughs> but I would get rid of Shield first. I think... The, the midfield depth. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Shield is a far better football. I agree. A far better football. I agree. And that's mean who doesn't rate Shield that highly. Yeah. Okay, next up. I think you should ask this question, actually. It's directed to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Who is... Who was this from? I don't even pooch know. Pooch as well. Oh, this is another Pooch question. Who is Rory supporting for the rest of this final series? Who would you support... This is a good question. Who would you support in a Melbourne-Richmond grand final? Okay, I've thought a lot about this. <laughs> you had a long night stressing yeah, over it. it? Not really. I sleep pretty comfortably knowing we're getting Gaff, Gaff <laughs> Pollock, Paul, and Kelly. Uh, you'd be tearing your hair out if that was the case. What are, you, what are we going to support? Okay, so I've, I've got a hierarchy. Number one, West Coast. I only know one West Coast supporter. Inoffensive. And she never, ever rubs it in my face. Inoffensive, And also... Yeah. This is shows how much disdain I have for everybody else. If West Coast win the flag, that would probably hamper our Andrew Gaff pursuit in the same way <laughs> Richmond's success did. So I am being masochistic in my support for West Coast. Yeah, okay. Number two, two, Richmond. Ooh, yeah, okay. Big one, big that one. is interesting. And that answers the second They're half the of the question. They're the bottom of mine. But number two, Richmond. They are already happy. They cannot get any worse as people. They're already insufferable. I would rather yeah. them stay happy than have them being like, oh, we won a flag a year ago and having another team say, we just won the flag as reigning premiers. Yeah, I don't mind that Number logic. three, Collingwood. Ah, oh, you're such because a dog. you don't go for Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> Stringer does though. He's I know. worse than me. Yeah, I, he absolutely is. But I don't talk to him about yeah, football as yeah. much as I talk to you. Also, it's kind of revenge for you being a dick about North Melbourne all these years. Number four, last and yes, least, all right. very much least, Melbourne. I know this isn't true. Like it I know you're just trying is. to play this game, just to try to make a bit of banter between us. You love the D's. You love us deep down, and you cannot wait. For us to win the premiership. Or the next five. <laughs> like, wait, that's uh, not worth responding to. Calm the mighty D's. Uh, do we have time for tips or are we wrapping Absolutely up? Absolutely not. Okay, so we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Billy Gales episode of the Plebs on Footy podcast. Uh, yeah, join us next week. Calm the mighty demons. Calm the D's. <laughs>